this is the question. We're starting a new series today, and I really think this can be a, a tremendously impactful series in your life, so I hope you'll be here every week. We're talking about Second Timothy, and we're, the question is this, what will your lasting legacy be? Whenever it is your time to be done with your years here on earth, what will your lasting legacy be? And today, as we begin with chapter one, I, I want to uh, narrow down or filter that question and, and tell you this. I, I think the most important determinant in what your lasting legacy will be will be the things that you quit and the things that you refuse to quit. The things that you quit and the things that you refuse to quit. Now, I'm going to say today, I, I think as you think about the impact of your life, you most likely have things that you regret, things that you've done, things that you've said. Uh, the good news is God does not, I think, hold our sins against us. If we come to him in faith, we confess and repent. It says he is faithful to forgive us as far as the east is from the west. So my goal today is not for you to go back into the past and regret to rue the decisions, the actions that you've taken in the past. Though uh, what I'm wanting us to do is we look here at Paul's last will and testament. That's what it is. Uh, this was written from a prison cell in Rome, probably the last letter that Paul wrote. And he wrote most of the New Testament in letter form to different churches and individuals. And if you look at this, uh, this last will and testament, you see that I think he's talking about. That's what he begins with, the things that he refuses to quit, the things that he has quit. You know, Paul started out persecuting the church, and now he's its fiercest and most loyal proponent. That shows you that a life can change. Some things need to be quit. If you're a person who's addicted to tobacco, for your health, for the health of those around you, particularly smoking, you, you need to quit that. And I know uh, some of you have been telling me you're, you're working on that right now. Keep it up. Some things need to be quit. The bad habits that we have, those things need to be quit. But far more pointedly today, I want to talk about not quitting. You know, you look in different sources, you see a lot of people have given advice on how to quit. And I have just a few quotes that I want to share. And notice a couple of them are from football coaches. I, uh, football coaches are into motivation. They're into persuasion. They're into persevering when things get hard. Because for those of you who played football, you can relate. It gets hard sometimes. Vince Lombardi said, once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. Napoleon Hill says, effort only fully releases its reward after a person refuses to quit. George Allen, another football coach, said, people of mediocre ability sometimes achieve outstanding success because they don't know when to quit. Most men succeed, or men or women, succeed because they're determined to. They're focused on that. Ross Perot said, most people give up just when they're about to achieve success. Now, Perot wasn't a football coach, but notice his analogy. They quit on the one-yard line. They give up at the last minute of the game, one foot from a winning touchdown. I thought this was interesting about uh, people's work, their vocational work. This is from a lady named Catherine Pulsifer. Some, 
people mentally quit their job years ago, but their body still goes to work every day. These type of people are quite willing to let others do their work for them. And then Norman Vincent Peale says, it's always too early to quit. It's always too early to quit. I want to say today, I think it is too soon to quit. And I'm not talking about jobs, although you might be in that place. I don't believe necessarily that you're called to do one job forever. Some of you say amen. Uh, you, some of us, uh, we have different opportunities come, different positions present themselves. But I am saying this, and this is what I want you to hear if you don't hear anything else today. That life is a choice between faith in God or faith in ourselves. And I believe that we can be tempted through the things of life that come. Well, I think we can be tempted to give up on God, to quit, or to pull away from God. Maybe like that one quote, we continue to go to work, but our heart is not there. I think if your lasting legacy is a passionate faith in Jesus Christ, that does not quit, I believe you'll be successful. I believe you'll have a great influence on those around you. And that's what Paul is trying to say to Timothy. He's saying to Timothy, stay strong. Timothy was uh, his young friend, his young colleague. Uh, Paul, no doubt, brought him in through the doors of faith and he encouraged him and Timothy had gone into the ministry after him and Paul was his mentor. Timothy worked for him. And so this letter, 2 Timothy, is written to him. And I think in this first chapter, we have five keys to standing strong. You see, as you read between the lines, I think Timothy was a person who perhaps lacked some confidence. Timothy was a person who maybe was timid by nature. But Timothy was a person who perhaps knew what he should do, but, but just didn't do it because he was concerned about how others might see him. He was concerned about the impact the, the, the reaction from others. Are any of us like that? Yeah, I think this is a very powerful... If you're a people pleaser, you are tempted sometimes to, to couch your reaction, to, to maybe moderate your faith, your passion, because of how others might view you. Uh, Timothy, it seems, was like that. Five keys to standing strong. First, I think we need to remember our heritage. Remember your heritage. That's what he says to Timothy. Remember your heritage. This is verses 3 through 5. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience. It's night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Notice the deep connection. Boy, I tell you, that's something you see. Uh, I tell you, I, it's so neat to reconnect with folks uh, that I've served with in the past and, and, and uh, in the, served the, Lord, the Christ, uh, Lord's service. And no, we have that bond. That's what he's saying. There's this close relationship developed with Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul is part of his spiritual heritage, but he also mentions his mother and grandmother. Now, I know today some of you maybe didn't have that. Some of you didn't have 
strong spiritual witness from your parents or your grandparents. Maybe others fulfilled like a, a, a surrogate spiritual father or mother, a, a spiritual grandmother or, or grandfather. Uh, think about that. Remember that. We're not all uh, just isolation, ice, islands in a stream. We all have these impacts of others around us. And, and I think it's important for us uh, if we, when we are tempted to quit, when we're tempted to maybe stop serving, to take a break and and one week turns into two and two weeks turn into four and before you know it we're years and years uh, where we've been sitting on the sideline and not serving God with the gifts he's given us uh, when you think about that spiritual heritage you think about the example of those who come before it gives you insight it gives you strength even here it doesn't have to be blood family I think about from time to time those who in the 11 years I've been here have gone to be with the Lord, but who set the foundation for this church. Remember, your spiritual heritage is a key to standing strong. That's what he's saying to Timothy. He's saying, hey, you have those who have supported you, those who have led the way. Remember them and follow in their example. Second key to standing strong is to rekindle your spiritual gift. Rekindle your spiritual gift. For this reason, this verse 6, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I've talked about spiritual gifts before. I think he's clearly referring to that. He's talking about those gifts that come, that, that are activated as we believe and have faith that the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. The Bible says as we uh, come to God in faith, we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, we confess our sins to him, we repent of those sins, we are baptized, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit, which then the Spirit gives us spiritual gifts to use in service. Everybody's spiritual gifts are different. But what he's clearly saying here, and maybe all of us have maybe had periods of fallow time of using our gifts, we... We have a choice whether we utilize those gifts or not. We, we can uh, maybe hold back. We can sheath those gifts. Uh, Paul's saying, you want to have a, a strong impact, Timothy. You want to, to live in a way that is passionate and powerful and productive. You need to rekindle. You need to fan into flame these gifts. If you can teach, teach. If you can help, help. If you can write, write. If you can pray, pray. If you can sing, sing. If you can cook, cook. If you can invest, invest. If you can build, build. If you can serve, serve. If you can lead, lead. That's what all of us, I think, need to hear, that our gifts are not meant for us to hold on to. They do no good if we have them and don't utilize them for the Lord. It is vital for all of us to know those gifts, to understand those gifts, and then to utilize them. This body, Northside, we are strong because uh, many have utilized and invested their gifts here, but we have far more work to do. We have far more people to reach. We have far more children to grow up in the Lord. 
part of that spiritual, her spiritual heritage is for you remembering those people. Maybe it was your parents, your grandparents. Maybe it was others around you, uh, spiritual fathers or mothers that you saw utilize their gifts for the Lord. They understood their gifts and they put them into practice. They sacrificed them on behalf of others every day. All of us have that same challenge. If your parents, you have kids in your house right now, they're watching you. You are their heritage. And you will be the example they follow of how they utilize their spiritual gifts for the betterment of the kingdom, for the betterment of others. If your grandparents, your grandkids are watching you, if you are tempted, and listen, I know ministry gets tough sometimes. I know you'll be discouraged sometimes. But if, if you're tempted and you give in to quitting, utilizing those gifts, then many will be worse off for it, including those watching you closely, those watching you most closely. The third key to standing strong is to refuse to be intimidated. To refuse to be intimidated. Now, a little backstory. Paul is in Rome. He's in prison. Why is he in prison? Uh, because the letter Second Timothy is probably written around 67 A.D. Well, in 64 A.D., three years before, everything changed for Christians. Everything changed for the church. You see, they had this, uh, and by most historians say he was certifiably kind of crazy, Nero, an emperor in Rome. Uh, he, there was a fire in Rome, and he believed it was the Christians' fault, and so he began to persecute Christians. And so it became very dangerous to your health, even to your life, uh, to believe in Christ, to be a proponent of Christ. Paul was in prison because he was a proponent, a vocal, passionate, unbowed proponent for Jesus Christ. And it seems, and we read later, well, I'll show you those verses, that uh, most people abandoned him. They quit seeing him. It became out of sight, out of mind. Not everybody did that. Luke stayed with him. Uh, Onesiphorus stayed with him. Uh, Timothy obviously was with him in spirit as he was doing his ministry in one of the churches that Paul founded. But all that to say that it was a trying time. It was a time where it was increasingly unpopular to become or to be vocal for Christ, to be a Christian. Not to that extent today. I, I don't think any of our, our lives will literally be on the line if we stand up for Christ. But I am saying I do believe our culture is shifting in a way that it's increasingly unpopular to be a Christian, especially in some places. And the tendency or temptation will be to not be vocal, to not be faithful, to not stand up for Christ. Paul says you need to refuse to be intimidated. Remember, Timothy by nature is, is, is timid. Timothy by nature is a, a people pleaser as I understand him and read him. So we read in verse 8, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ, 
Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, hey, Jesus is taking care of it all. Jesus is taking care of eternity for me. The worst they can do is kill me. I am not going to be ashamed. He says in verse 8, Timothy, don't be ashamed. And then he tells him why he shouldn't be. And then he concludes with verse 12, I am not ashamed because I know in whom I believe. And I'm confident he's able to guard that. He refused, he refused to be intimidated. And so must we. When we get to that point where we're kind of shaky because others maybe make fun of us because we're Christians or others maybe uh, take action, negative action against us because we refuse to bow. We refuse to, bow. We refuse to, to water down the gospel, the truth, then we have to stand strong. We refuse to be intimidated because we rely on a foundation that is a rock, not sinking sand. You see, over time, folks who follow the wisdom of this age, folks who follow the truths or untruths of this age, they will find that they're on sinking sand. But the Bible says that you who build your lives on Jesus the rock, you have a foundation that is always going to stand. You refuse to be intimidated. The fourth key is and it's related. Rely on God's truth. Rely on God's truth. He follows up those verses with verses 13 and 14. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Uh, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Uh, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. What's he saying? He's saying, you have the word of God. In that time, the Old Testament. Now we who are believers, we have the Old and New Testament. And we must become students of that word because the culture, the people who believe falsely, they will sometimes uh, call into question what we believe. And he's saying... Where the Bible is black and white, you must stand strong, stand firm to its teaching. If it tells you not to do something clearly, you don't do it. If it tells you to do something clearly, you do it. You build your life on the truth of God's Word. It's not a popular subject in today's culture. We live in an age of relativism. What you believe is true is true for you. What I believe is true is true for me. Well, that doesn't make any sense logically, but that's the way our culture does it. And I will say, in your workplace, you'll be challenged sometime uh, to believe something that's relatively true, maybe to your boss or to others around you, but it, you know it conflicts with the Word of God. You make a choice to stand in the Word of God. In your family, sometimes there will be a, a, maybe even a consensus of others that believe something that's not true. 
according to God's word. You have a choice to make. I will say to you, Ephesians 4.15 is a theme verse. It's a foundational verse for me. And I say this to you, if we want to be people who live a lasting legacy, if we want to be people who don't quit the most important things, then we need to always speak the truth in love. You both know what it says, you can communicate it, but you also live it. So often today, sometimes Christians, they stand up for the truth, but they do it in a hostile and unloving way. They do it in a judgmental way. All of us are sinners. None of us have any right to judge anybody else. But we do need to live our lives by the truth and show that witness to others. That's an important part of our legacy. The fifth key is to reinforce the faithful. To reinforce the faithful. Here's a kind of a secret, I think. It, it looks like Paul's just winding up here and it's just some per, very personal verses, but I think this is a key that jumped out to me in studying. You see, if we're going to do what I've talked about, if we're going to be mutually using our spiritual gifts to minister for others, if we're going to refuse to be intimidated, if we're going to rely on the truth when it's unpopular around us, then we need each other's help. We need each other's support. We need each other's encouragement. Verses 15 through 18 say this, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. That is a sad verse. Paul started all these churches. Paul, who'd done so much good for the Lord, because it's unpopular, because people are being persecuted, even the point of martyrdom, of being killed for their faith, everybody deserts him. He's in prison in Rome, except... May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in, in, in Ephesus. Now, not only did he come to his age, aid, he had to support him. They had uh, house prisons in those times. There wasn't one big prison block building like we build today. And so it was not apparent where Paul was. It seems that Onesiphorus would not quit. He would not give up. He knew that his brother, he knew that his friend Paul needed support. He needed encouragement. So he kept going until he found him. Friends, one of the greatest resources we can bless others with is that support that encouragement of others, that encouragement of those who are being perhaps persecuted because they stand for their truth, maybe those who perhaps lose their jobs because they stand for this, maybe those who are being financially challenged because of their faith. We need to support each other. I appreciate the support you give me and prayer for me the support you give me and encouraging me we need to do that for each other so that we don't quit we pull together and we continue to march forward we pull together and we continue to be soldiers 
in the army of Christ. See, that's the lasting legacy is this choice we have of what to quit and what not to quit. May we always have in mind our service for him. Martin Luther said, the test of a soldier is the best soldiers go to where the fire is hottest. Isn't that a great quote? The best soldiers go to where the fire is hottest. That is, they don't run from spiritual conflict. They don't run from uh, being in the heat of cultural conflict. They, they don't run from uh, confrontations where political correctness is foisted upon them. And, and they're made to look like, in, at least in those people's terms, a bigot or any of those other forms of, of criticism they get because they hold true to the word. They stand true. They go to where the fire is hottest. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it has a verse that I want to leave you with today. And we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks, about this lasting legacy. Verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time... We will reap a harvest if we what? If we do not give up. I'm going to read that again. Listen to it. Galatians 6, 9. You're going to write it down and meditate on it this week. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You don't quit the things that matter most. And I know good and well, perhaps today, there are some of us who are exhausted. Some of us who are, who are struggling. This is the word you needed today, and you need others to come alongside you. Let's pull together. Let's be the church together. You know, uh, turned 54 yesterday. Uh, you know... The way I was a teenager, I'm proud I made it to 54 myself. <clears throat> a lot of people praying for me and the, the Lord's grace. And I say to you, because I said it to my son, uh, Bo, well, I said it to everybody, but he challenged me. I said, I think I got about 40 more years of preaching in me. He said, you'll be 94. I said, yeah, but I am not quitting till he calls me home. And you got different gifts than I got. But I want to challenge you to make that same commitment, that decision, that you're going to serve him until he calls you home. You're going to passionately live for him till he calls you home. You will not give up on the things that matter most. You will not quit when it gets hot. You will run to the fire and you will trust in him whom we have believed and you will stand on the rock and you'll serve him with your last breath. It's always too soon quit on the Lord. Fathers, we think about these things today. I pray that you've challenged us. I pray that you've convicted us. Some of us have stuff in the past we're not proud of. Thankfully, you, you forgive us for that if we bring it to you. 
Some of us maybe need to do some, some restoration, some reconciliation. Maybe we've quit on ministries or, or situations before. We can, we can rebuild that. We can come back to utilizing these gifts that you've given us. We can come back to, to making amends, perhaps, if there's distance between us and other brothers and sisters. Help us, Lord, to, to resolve today to be faithful to you no matter what. And help us to, to encourage and pull together and do that together. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.